0: Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artisan food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about
1: everything delicious.
2: A very beautiful spring weekend to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around you. Every weekend, you'll hear from chefs and artisan food makers, farmers and authors, travel experts, sommeliers, and more who are passionate about everything delicious. And they are all here on this show because I'm all about good food and fine wine, health and wellness, trends and giving back, and really living the best life. It's my goal to feed your soul. So don't touch your dial because there is an hour of scintillating and delicious conversation coming up. I'm always serving up seconds, by the way, at chefjamie.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Gwen. And you can hear podcasts of shows you might have missed on iTunes. Just search Chef Jamie Gwen. So, I have had the privilege of 17 glorious years on the radio and very proud to be heard across this great country of ours. It's my passion to share what I love. I love to cook and I love to eat. And so if you are either or both for that matter, we could definitely be friends. But if you're new to this show, then you should know that at the start of every program, I share cooking methods, techniques, some fundamental procedures to make you the best cook you know. Because if you want to be a culinary force that can be reckoned with, you need to master certain basic skills. And really, if anything, at least the conversation will make you hungry, right? Now it's spring and you might be trying to slim down for summer or embrace the newfound farmer's market freshness, or maybe you've started compiling recipes in advance of the sweet summer approaching to fill your arsenal. The following is a love story and a technique, really, all about ceviche, Ceviche is like a kiss from the sea. It's that pearly sweetness of so-called cooked fish that is fresh and bright with acid and aromatics and it's contrasting with the crunch of a tortilla chip or a crisp cracker or maybe crostini. Can you tell that I love it? Ceviche is clean eating. It's full of flavor. It's super easy. But by the way, you will look like a culinary hero when you spoon it into a margarita or an oversized martini glass and you place the glass on a serving plate and then you fill the base of the plate with salty chips and you serve ceviche. Now ceviche is an obsession in Peru. It's a standard starter in Ecuador and really a culinary tradition all across South America. Dating back to the earliest inhabitants, The Incas preserved their fish with fruit juice and salt and some chili pepper. And then later, the Spanish conquerors introduced the now essential lime. Now, according to gastronomic wisdom, the acid from citrus juice actually quote unquote cooks the fish, right? But it's really the citric acid that alters the structure of the protein in the fish, which makes the fish more opaque and firm just as if it had been cooked with heat. Now the acid does not work the same as heat would and as well as heat does. But most importantly, you want to start with the freshest cleanest fish possible. Now ceviche is often made with sea bass or flounder. It can be made with shrimp and scallops. Uh, Just about any fish or shellfish will work. I like a mix. Um, I do salmon and scallop for textural complexity, throw in some shrimp, depending upon what the fishmonger has. And then the rest of the ingredients are dependent upon your palate and you can vary them widely. Now, Ecuadorian ceviche is often made with shrimp and ketchup in addition to lime juice. It has a red-based sauce and slightly sweeter uh, on the palate. And it's tossed with corn nuts or what we know as a corn nut for texture. And it's delicious. Now in Chile, ceviche is made with what we consider Chilean sea bass. They use grapefruit juice. Uh, In uh, Peru, the ceviche is garnished with thinly sliced raw onion and sliced red chili peppers, and it tends to be the hottest. Now, you'll see something green, a fresh herb, often cilantro thrown in, uh, but you could use parsley instead. Sometimes I like to add the freshness of mint on a really hot day. Um, You can really mix it up the way you like. Now... If you were to ask me my favorite ceviche, I would tell you uh, the one that I make that is marinated in passion fruit juice, which I learned in Hawaii, is outrageously scrumptious. The fish in Hawaii, of course, being uber fresh, so ceviche is perfect to indulge in daily there. Um, But the passion fruit ceviche that I make was inspired by a restaurant experience I had at Alan Wong's in Maui many years ago. And it has subtle sweet notes from the passion fruit juice and that beautiful contrast, that complexity of the sweetness and the acid from the passion fruit. You get a bite from jalapeno. Oh, I just think it's outrageous. Now you will find ceviche recipes using coconut milk, avocado, Uh, some have mango. And I say, let your palate dictate the ingredients. So the next time that you see some really fresh looking fish at the store, why not bring some home and invent your own ceviche de casa? So these are my best tips to have a house ceviche. And I do have two scrumptious recipes to share with you for perfecting your soon to be famous ceviche that you'll be making all summer long. Now, most fish works for ceviche, but the best kinds are semi-firm, white-fleshed ocean fish like sea bass, striped bass, grouper, sole, flounder. You want to stay away from oily fish like mackerel or tuna, uh, bluefish, jack. uh, They don't work well. And freshwater fish like catfish, trout don't really work either. Uh, Again, I suggest stay with semi-firm, white-fleshed fish. Now, when you make ceviche, it's really important that the different components, whether it's vegetables, um, fish, and anything else you add, fruit, are evenly cut or sized so that everything marinates uh, evenly rather and easily, specifically the fish. And then I recommend marinating fish for ceviche, At least 10 minutes, minimum, anything under that time, the fish still appears raw and it's not tender enough to eat. I say a good average is about 20 to 30, and that will give you enough time for the lime juice to be absorbed. It turns the color opaque. Do keep in mind that anything over an hour and you run the risk of the fish falling apart. And it's really best to make your ceviche fresh and serve it soon. So you do need to make it right before. And you need enough acid. You can use lime juice or lemon juice to properly cook or make ceviche. And I recommend a half a cup of lime juice to every one pound of fish. That will give you the proper cure. I also keep my fish separate from my vegetables until I'm ready to toss it all together. There's really no advanced preparation with ceviche. Um, I say dice it all, get it ready. You could store it in the fridge and then mix right before you're ready to serve. Give it that 20 to 30 minutes, up to an hour at most, and there you have it. This is proof that great ceviche is easy to make and nearly impossible to mess up. Now, as I mentioned, I have two recipes to share with you. Uh, You can just email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. And I will share my simple ceviche, which is a Mexican-style ceviche. Um, It has lime juice and orange juice and a little heat and tanginess from pickled jalapeno. And I, of course, will gladly share the passion fruit ceviche, which is just out of this world. And then please get the tortilla chips ready for dipping because now I am hungry. (laughs) You want to stay tuned, of course, because there's lots more interesting and delightfully fabulous culinary conversation coming up in your radio. He's cooking scrappy once again. He's my friend, Joel Gamaran, and I am so thrilled he's back. You know him from his hit TV show, Scraps, and he's going to make use of what you might be throwing away. He's a fabulous cook. Also coming up this hour, we are going to dish, yes, on the art of smoking, because the champion pitmaster Joe Pinnell is here. And if you don't have a pellet grill or have aspired to one, or you really want to dig deep into the one you have and get to know it, well, we're going to tell you all about it. Before the end of the hour, we're talking about the beauty of magnesium. And so, yes, I hope to feed your soul don't touch your dial. There's lots more delicious conversation coming up in your radio. You won't want to miss it. Delivering the world of food directly to your radio, welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen. here. This is a place for people who love to eat. I am so delighted to welcome back a friend and a tremendous talent. Joel Gamoran, is the national chef for Sur La and the gregarious host of A&E's hit series, Scraps, which finished its second season, the third season in production soon. What I love about Joel is that his tremendous passion is evident in his dishes, and you would never know that he is all about wasting less and eating more because he cooks scrappy. With whimsy and tremendous talent, Joel addresses the serious issue of food waste, all while creating glorious dishes that will satisfy your palate. And he's back to dish on spring and how you can better the planet and love what you eat. And I am very happy you are here. Hi, Chef. I am
1: so <laughs> thrilled to be here. I have chills from that introduction. You are too good at what you do. No.
2: Thank you. That is a well deserved introduction. <laughs> um, you are a food waste crusader with an ever blooming, growing, beautiful career in food. And I think we should first address the issue of food waste because you are really championing it and you believe it can be overcome through cooking. And I love that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I don't think people realize that, you know, in America we have a monster, huge problem. You know, um, almost half the food that we produce and that we bring home Uh, goes into the garbage without us Mm -hmm. even thinking about it. You know, it's like going to the grocery store and picking up two bags of groceries and just throwing one on the ground and not picking it up. Hmm. So we have a huge problem of waste in this country. And meanwhile, you know, one out of eight Americans go to bed kind of not knowing where the next meal comes from. So... It's a disconnect. We're wasting all this food and people are starving. And so, yeah, you can call it a crusader, but it feels kind of just logical from my point. I
2: think you've made it logical, I have to say, because we've watched you prove that what we're throwing away is a really irresponsible gesture. And in doing so, what you've done is inspired the ideas and the mindset and the consciousness and the principles to make – great food from what is often very little. So um I love the book. Congratulations. It's still a, a hit bestseller, Cooking Scrappy. Um and I think every great cook, novice or connoisseur alike, should have it in their collection as a daily inspiration. Because if we all don't do our part, which you've proven, um then the epidemic gets worse. There's no yeah. doubt, right? Um cool. so if we could play a little game um, because okay. it, it is an, an an inspiring way to motivate. Um, and just for the record, everyone should know across the country listening that you and I did not speak in advance. Although no. we're friends and I love to talk to you, but I did not give you forewarning on this. I yeah, thought no forewarning. no forewarning at all. I'm putting you on the spot. I'll give you an ingredient and you can share your genius ideas for total utilization
1: okay just for the record when i go on like book tour and i do live events we call this stump the scrap and i always (laughs) ask the crowd to do this with me so i just want to let you know i'm i'm pretty ready for this yeah no i
2: know you're good at this i know okay (laughs) um stump the scrap here it is i'll make the first one easy because okay. you made this glorious salad that you shared on social media that looks so luscious and I made the citrus salad, but we'll start there Oranges total utilization go
1: the actual outside of the oranges There's a couple things one yes. is when you squeeze an orange for the juice and you're left with kind of um, The actual rind and kind of the leftover pit of the orange you can actually preserve those yes. and salt them put them in a jar and then just cut off the rind a couple of weeks later and then chop that up. It's almost like an olive preserved lemon piece. I love it. Preserved oranges are amazing in tagines. incredible tossed in things like couscous or pastas.
0: Nice. So I absolutely
1: love that. Um, as far as the whole orange goes, you can absolutely make a marmalade. I have a marmalade for a grapefruit rind mm. um, that you can do with orange rinds. Um, and once the squeeze oranges are, you know, at that point, you chop them up, you add a ton of sugar, you cook them down, and it becomes this jammy kind of candy, amazing kind of slather that can go on a buttered piece of toast, or oh, you know, even rubbed over some duck for something a little savory.
2: I love the way you cook. Let's pause for a second. <laughs> uh, this is very genius cooking to me. Do you have a, do you have a compost, not a compost bin per se, but do you store the scraps? I guess is the better question. And then you take next Sunday, let's say to make marmalade. Give us a a couple of tips as we continue with the, uh, stump the scrap game as to, you're not, you're not totally utilizing it on a Thursday night before dinner per se.
1: No. So let's say I was making a pork chop and it called for some orange juice. Right. So I squeezed the oranges and then I'm left with those orange rinds. I am not in the moment. I have friends coming over. I'm trying to cook some pork chops. I don't want to deal with those orange rinds at all. So, um, you know, things like orange rinds, they're not going to go bad in the fridge. You'll have a couple of weeks to kind of play with them. So I put them in a little scrap bowl. I leave them separate from my other scraps by dividing them up with a little either plastic um, bench scraper, like almost as a divider. And then when you open up the fridge, there's like these little projects that um, whenever I don't really know what to cook or when I have an empty Sunday afternoon, I can go to that project and kind of whip it up. So yesterday I took over, have you heard of Imperfect Produce, Chef Jamie?
2: No. Can you tell me about it, please?
1: Yes. It's this CSA box and they deliver to almost every state now. They're growing like wildfire and they take all the produce that gets rejected from grocery stores and they make a box out of it called Imperfect Produce and they get rejected because of their size or because they're bruised, or because it's surplus, lots of different reasons. Okay. And um, and it's incredible. And so I took over their Instagram yesterday doing this exact thing, taking their followers
2: how cool. through my
1: fridge on how I kind of plan it out.
2: That's brilliant. Yeah. Okay. This is really about a method to the madness. It's about planning. Joel Gameron is a tremendous advocate, a truly talented chef, a visionary. And he's proving... That through his glorious dishes, you can showcase the infinite flavor and the possibility of ingredients that would otherwise go to waste. And there is so much to learn from him. So please watch Scraps, the TV show on A&E, which you can watch the first and second season, third season in production soon. You should follow him at Joel Gamaran. And you should check out his cookbook, Cooking Scrappy, because I believe that every great cook should have Cooking Scrappy in their collection. It will make you a better cook. It will make you a responsible advocate. Uh, It will save the planet. And in so many ways, I truly believe it is really awesome all of our responsibilities to do our part. Joel is leading the way. So follow his culinary adventures at Joel Gamoran and stay tuned here because I will beg him to come back on again. Joel, you know you have to come back again soon.
1: you never have to beg, ever. <laughs> I will come <laughs> thank you. I will come crawling, knocking on your door before you beg.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you as always for sharing your passion. Thank you. Thank
0: you.
1: Take care. Okay.
2: Thank you, you too. It is good to have... Great culinary thinkers and chef friends in high places. And you heard it here. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. There's lots more fabulous food from scraps right after this. Up because we are about to grill great things, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. There's nothing like the aroma of wood smoke wafting from your grill, and we're nearing barbecue season because spring is here, so we're gearing up for grand grilling. If the pastime is more of an obsession for you, well, then this is your conversation. We're continuing our series of grilling expertise to last the whole year through with Joe Pinnell, the official pit master and product tester for Twin Eagles Grills, which is my barbecue of choice. So you're going to learn to be a master griller right here and right now. Grab your pellets and listen up because we're smoking today with Joe, a Kansas City Barbecue Society certified barbecue judge, and a medal-winning competitor on the barbecue circuit. I'm glad to have you back. Hi, Joe. Hi, Jamie. (laughs) So this conversation is all about the art of smoking, and technology is definitely bettering us, and you have a new favorite toy, which gives me a little bit of grill envy I want you to know because the Twin Eagles wood-fired pellet grill, complete with touchscreen and Wi-Fi, so cool, uh, is now available, and we just have to dish on it. So uh, tell us about your new baby. The, the Twin
3: Eagles new wood-fired pellet smoker and grill and oven, um, it, it's 36 inches overall in width, and there's four different styles of cooking on this grill. You can smoke, Smoke plus, sear, or charcoal. Now, smoke is the traditional style of pellet smokers out there. Smoke plus is unlike any one of our competitors because we're able to slow down the speed of our fan and add more wood pellets, creating more smoke during the cooking process. Mm. Now, what a lot of pellet smokers don't have is a sear section. And our sear section can get over 1,000 degrees for searing steaks or seared ahi, or searing off vegetables.
2: Yeah, that's like my, a- my infrared that I love on my barbecue.
3: Correct. It, it gets just as hot as that, if not hotter. It's crazy great. Um, as well as a charcoal feature. We have a charcoal basket that you can insert, and that takes one-third of the grill, and you're able to cook or rotisserie cook right over live coals.
2: Yeah, th- this is really technology at its best, and a lot of years in the making. I'd like to take a step back for a second How does a pellet grill work? Because if you are a grill master, we know that the pellet grill has been gaining, uh, speed and growing in popularity over the past, you know, however many years, right? This is really what proves you as a a master. And there are lots of pellet grills. I don't quite know. I know what sets Twin Eagles apart, but I'd like to understand how the pellet grill works from the inside out.
3: How a pellet smoker works, there's, you pour pellets into this thing called a hopper. Mm -hmm. And our particular hopper is 13 pounds. And what happens, uh, these pellets feed through an auger, and go on to a burn pot, is what it's called. Now, this this burn pot, there's an electric igniter that then turns on and catches the wood pellets on fire. As soon as the pellets catch on fire, the igniter then shuts off, and a fan kicks on, stoking the fire. Got it. So it's all controlled by a computer at that point. So the heat source is from wood, not from electricity. The fan is what controls that heat source. And that's why you're able to use pellet grills in competition barbecue.
2: Right. Now they
3: Use electric or gas.
2: There is some controversy or has been in the past about a pellet grill not giving the same amount of smoke that a wood smoker would. Isn't that true? I know from my conversations with you that, you know, there are some grill masters that will say there, you know, there's no comparison.
3: That, that's correct. And, and you'll hear that a lot. In uh, the, the grill industry, that that charcoal and wood give off a much stronger campfire type type flavor than a pellet grill would. And and you know what they're 100 percent correct. A pellet grill is going to give you a, a sweeter, more delicate smoke, uh, which I prefer. Me uh, too. Versus more of a campfire. Yes. So you know, for, for instance, if I if I cook at home, I, I'm barbecuing five nights a week in my house, <laughs> and if no. I cook on a charcoal grill. Five nights in a row, my wife has had enough. She said, no more smoky food. But if I cook on a pellet grill, she's always asking for more because it's a sweeter, like I said, more delicate tasting smoke. Um, But, you know, Twin Eagles, what we've done to create um, more of that smoky flavor is by adding that smoke plus feature that a lot of people are intrigued about.
2: Right. And that's where that's that fan mechanism. And a lot of years in the making and Dante's genius, right, where you can slow it down and the, the smoke permeates better, on a Twin Eagles pellet grill than a a, a traditional competitor's pellet grill. So therefore you simulate the benefits of a wood smoker. Now, wood is everything. And even on my Twin Eagles grill, uh, you know, you could call it a hack. Um, I use my smoking box, but I've been known and I'm very proud to tell you, I'll take an aluminum pie pan, poke holes, soak wood chips, throw it right on the grates. I'll make an aluminum foil packet of chips. I mean, I love that wood smoke flavor and it comes in lots mm-hmm. of forms. You can use chips and chunks and logs and pellets. Can you get pellets in the same flavor profiles as oh, yes. I would wood?
3: A- absolutely. Yes. They make, they make wood pellets even with rosemary mixed in and garlic and
2: Ooh. all kinds of
3: flavors. One of my new ones I'm, I'm messing around with, it's called uh charred hickory. So it's 50% charcoal 50% hickory mixed together into a wood pellet, and it gives you a much deeper color to your food and a a stronger smoke ring and a stronger, smokier flavor.
2: Oh, that's very cool. Okay, speaking of that smoke ring, uh, let's talk about it. The much sought after makes you a culinary hero. Can you get a smoke ring on a pellet grill, specifically the new Twin Eagles pellet grill? Uh,
3: Absolutely, you can. Um, you know, and and that's one thing, uh, that pellet grills are very good at doing is Mm -hmm. getting you that sought after smoke ring.
2: Interesting. And the method of smoking is low and slow, but can you cook hot and fast on a pellet grill?
3: Absolutely. And and this is something that's really neat about the, the twin eagles pellet grill. It gets as low as 140 degrees, which is the lowest in the industry, all the way up to 725 degrees, which is the highest in the industry indirectly. So Mm -hmm. you can cold smoked cheeses to salmon to burn whatever you want at that 725.
2: Okay, so let's make everybody hungry cuz you just made me hungry. When you say that low temperature, I think uh beef jerky. That is the first mm-hmm. thing that comes to mind. I want to dehydrate. Yes. Uh I want to smoke cheese and I want to smoke salt and I want to smoke the olives for my bloody mary. Yes. Yes. Okay, so what else are you smoking lately?
3: <laughs> uh, something I've been uh, doing a lot lately, I, I do a lot of cooking demonstrations and events. Yes. Uh, it's my grandmother's smoked mac and cheese <gasps> from New York. It's kind of been passed down from generation to generation. Also, uh, pork belly, uh, where I buy a yes. 10-pound slab of pork belly. I smoke it at a... I do, about a, hot, I do a hot fat, so I'm cooking at about 350 okay. for approximately about three hours until I get that internal temperature at about 190. And then I cube it, and then I, I throw all those, those pork belly cubes into an aluminum pan. And I add barbecue sauce and butter and brown sugar, and I mix it all together, and then I put it back in the smoker for about an hour, yeah. and it's called pork belly burnt ends or you yes. know, pork candy cubes.
2: Yeah, it sounds like, you like, to call it. I'd like I'd like you to call me when you're making it again. It's, it is pork candy. I, th- I think your wife lost my number. because I didn't get my phone call for dinner. Uh, I I think the technology that is so brilliant is really a proof that the beauty of the food world continues to elevate. I cannot wait uh, to have the opportunity to play with a Twin Eagles wood-fired pellet grill and get my hands on one. Um, And I will just... um, you know, mope in envy, with envy uh, over here for your pork candy. Uh, while you continue to master this pellet grill, uh, it is clever and easy and delivers boundless flavor. You heard it from Joe Pinnell, the official pit master for Twin Eagles grills, and you have been schooled on the beauty of a pellet grill. Twin Eagles new pellet smoker offers innovation, inspiration on fire. So check it out. Twin Eagles is my barbecue of choice. I really don't believe there's a better barbecue on the market. Um, It's the performance of my grill that I love. And Joe, I always tout this. Twin Eagles grills are made in the USA. And I love that too. I really do. To learn more about the complete line of Twin Eagles outdoor kitchen equipment, you can locate a showroom at TwinEaglesGrills.com. And then you too can hope for a dinner invitation to Joe Pinnell's house. Uh, Where he is, well, thank you, smoking (laughs) up a storm. Joe, thank you for the insight and the lesson. Truly appreciate it. I hope you'll come back soon and um, tell us what else you're grilling and the newest innovations and all the good things you've added to the Wi Fi capabilities of the. of the new twin eagles wood fired pellet grill that was really a great learning for me and i know for everyone listening so thank you You're very welcome Jake. appreciate it talk to you soon as the delicious conversation continues celebrating the season oh with all things delicious stay tuned there's lots more fabulous food in your radio right after this Informative, educational, and delicious information abounds on this show. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. OMG, literally, often called the miracle macro mineral, magnesium has been credited with healing everything from headaches to insomnia to depression and even heart disease. And Gretchen Litaker is a huge fan and advocate. She is. A scientist, a journalist with a master's in physiology and biophysics, a concentration in alternative medicine, and has worked on the academic and clinical side of integrative medicine for years. Her newest book release is entitled Magnesium, Everyday Secrets, and she is here to share her natural medicine insight and her love for magnesium, everything. And I'm glad to have you, Gretchen. Hi. Hi.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
2: (laughs) Yes, of course. I read your book, Cover to Cover. I loved it. Uh, There were so many things... I realize I didn't know. So if you would um, give us the Reader's Digest version, but share the science of magnesium, please.
0: Yeah, so basically, I mean, you know, I make a living, you know, writing about health and wellness um, and I have a science background and magnesium was just one of those things that, you know, kept coming up over and over and ag- again. And, you know, all of the al- sort of alternative medicine doctors I would interview would say it's so important. And then all of sort of, even the conventional medicine doctors, Hmm. We're using it for things like headaches and, and, and you know, other illnesses. So it was just something that really fascinated me. Um, and then when I started diving into it a little bit more, I realized it was especially applicable to sort of all of the chronic ailments we're suffering from in 2019 when, you know, our food is a little bit less nutritious than it used to be and we're a little bit more stressed than we used to be and we sit more than we used to be. Sure. So I just found it like, you know, fascinating. Yeah, I Um, did too. It's (laughs) applicable to my life and everyone that I know.
2: Yeah, for sure. So how do I know if I'm deficient? Does one uh, take magnesium no matter what? Do you absorb it all through food? What's the best way to determine if we should take, consume, or embrace magnesium per se?
0: Yeah, so it's kind of a tricky question because you can't, it's very sort of difficult to test for a magnesium deficiency. Like if you have a vitamin D deficiency, you get a blood test and it's sort of cut and dried. Magnesium's a little bit trickier But it's not too tricky because most health experts that I interviewed said that, you know, most of us can benefit from a little bit of extra magnesium. In an ideal world, we'd be eating tons of leafy greens and nuts and seeds and all these foods that are rich in magnesium. But the reality is that most of us are not eating enough of those foods. Mm -hmm. Even if we are eating those foods, they're less, you know, the, the magnesium content in them is less than it used to be. And then there's this added factor that, you know, a lot of medications and, you know, things like that can deplete our body's magnesium levels or prevent us from absorbing it in the first place. Mm. So it's kind of like this perfect storm that's created, you know, this vulnerability in humans for magnesium deficiency. So I think it's like a great thing to try.
2: I I agree from not only your pros, but from understanding better, as you're saying, that it can't hurt. So if we were looking at, if I go to the food place, Gretchen immediately, Uh, if we're looking at magnesium rich foods, we can all benefit from the nutrient very easily. Mm -hmm. Uh, Name those we should be choosing, please.
0: Um, Some really good ones are leafy greens, Mm -hmm. uh, salmon, nuts and seeds, like hemp seeds, chia seeds, pumpkin seeds, which are one of my favorites in the book. I have like a pumpkin seed milk. Yes, it looks good.
2: Yes. Um,
0: Yeah, so, I mean, luckily, also chocolate, huge win. Thank, thankful, thankful. magnesium-rich recipes so much easier (laughs) and more fun. Um, I was so happy to hear about that one. Yes, me Um, too. But, yeah, a lot of really healthy foods, like um, yogurt, has, you know, quite a bit of magnesium. Um,
2: Good source. So, yeah, Yeah.
0: there are a lot to choose from, and they're really diverse, and you can eat them in a lot of different ways.
2: You mentioned that you take it at night, which I think – is very important to note because that leads yeah. me to ask you there are numerous health benefits, specifically stress reduction and better sleep. And I had no idea. So you're taking it at night for a reason. Highlight some of its best benefits, please.
0: Magnesium sort of has a hand in so many different things, but one of the great ones is, you know, muscle relaxation to calming down at the end of the day and getting to sleep. Um, and that's how I discovered magnesium. I started taking Epsom salt baths, which is really my favorite way to take magnesium. I have a lot of favorite ways, but that's probably going to come in at number one.
2: Um, the book was was really interesting to me and I loved learning more. And I think there are, are no doubt from uh, your research and your work, uh, so many benefits to being knowledgeable about magnesium. As Gretchen Lideker proves Almost everyone can benefit not only for your health, but for relaxation, anti-anxiety, quality of sleep from magnesium in your life. Recipes and ideas to bring magnesium front and center are featured in Magnesium Everyday Secrets, available on Amazon and beyond. And you can discover more at Gretchen Lideker.com dot com. Gretchen, I'm following you as well at Gretchen.Amanda. Um, and so I will be looking for uh, new applications, ever growing. And I thank you for sharing your passion. Uh, really fascinating stuff.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
2: And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. Please do show your great taste and tune in next weekend because I have lots of more gastronomic inspiration to share. I'll leave you with my last bite for this week though, my last ounce or a tidbit. In fact, uh, a five-ingredient recipe because if you know me, you know I love a shortcut. And cauliflower, everything is pretty popular. I happen to love it. I do turn to cauliflower for many of my low-carb needs, And so I'm sharing my cauliflower mac and cheese. Because seriously, when you slather it in a cheesy cream sauce, how would you even miss the pasta? I have a five-ingredient cauliflower mac and cheese recipe for you. You could make a traditional cheese sauce, but there's flour in there. So I make a cream-based sauce that's super cheesy. And I toss the cauliflower in the sauce and then I bake it and top it with more cheese, Parmesan specifically, and broil the top so you get crusty goodness. It is super scrumptious. A couple of tips. I roast the cauliflower first for flavor and to keep it dry as opposed to steaming or otherwise because wet cauliflower waters down the sauce. And you can make the cheese sauce with any cheese you like. So add gray air or goat uh, or uh, literally any leftover cheese as you see fit. How about this? I will share the recipe right now on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find me on social at Chef Jamie Gwen, and I will meet you here next weekend when I plan to continue to feed your soul. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well.